So, uh... Well, all right, guys. Welcome to the June uh, phone call, the Youth Pastors Roundtable. We're super excited. You guys have all joined on and more coming on as we get started here. Uh, we're we're uh, in the middle of summer. I know a lot of you guys have been on going to camps and retreats and missions trips and all kinds of stuff. And so uh, people are moving and all kinds of stuff. And so I appreciate you guys uh, all coming on and spending some time with us today. Uh, I, I really do believe today's conversation is going to be very, very uh, helpful uh, as we discuss um, some hot topics in youth ministry that often are hard to talk about uh, and leave us us sometimes wondering how to how to answer questions and what we should do and so I know there's lots of opinions on how to deal with some of these topics in the church and uh, I'm excited about getting into it and talking about it and uh, we would love for today to be a lot of d- conversation and uh, talking and asking questions things like that because uh, a lot of these topics that we're talking about don't necessarily have easy answers or quick answers to them uh, and so I'd love we we would love to hear your what you guys have done or your thoughts on it and so today's definitely going to be uh, uh, more of a round table uh, than a than a teaching so for sure uh, but we'd love for you guys just to kind of sit back relax uh, pull up uh, your notes and uh, your Bibles and uh, probably some coffee I know some of you guys are waking up uh, pretty. It's early for some of you guys uh, and some of you West Coast people, and uh, so we appreciate you guys waking up and sharing some the, the morning with us. Um, a couple of announcements for you guys. Now we are we are just a few weeks away from the start of uh, Victory School of Leadership. We start the the second week of August. If you've got students that are looking for a discipleship program. Uh, and not having to give up uh, college for it, we would love to talk to them. If you've got someone that just graduated uh, or even a junior or senior uh, that uh, would be looking at it next year or the year after, we'd love to talk to them, especially those that have graduated. Uh, man, maybe they graduated last year and are just kind of looking for a place where they can be discipled uh, deeply. They can uh, foster their spiritual growth, their f- spiritual formations, and spend nine months really pursuing Jesus and, and the heart of God um, and knowing their relationship with Him. We would love to spend some, some time with them, just talking to them, and see if it we, uh, might be a good fit for them. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, you know, we're a discipleship program, but we also offer uh, fully accredited university credits at the same time. In three years, they can get their bachelor's degree, and we just have added this year that if they come back for a fourth year, that they'll get their master's degree uh, in just four years. And so it's pretty awesome. Uh, we love what's going on. Um, so many of our students um, have graduated the program and are in ministry right now, and so uh, it's, it, it's quite fun. Um, also, just mark your calendars for next month, July 28th. We'll be uh, getting together again at 10 o'clock Central Time. We'll be talking about planning your ministry calendar for the year. Uh, a well-crafted plan really helps you prepare for those unforeseen events that seem to come up often in, in youth ministry. And it will plan, help you plan your youth ministry to be more balanced and to help your marriage be uh, more intact with your husband or your wife knowing what's going on around. So uh, love for you guys to 
make your calendar ready for that next month. Also, all this information is available on the uh, Youth Pastors Roundtable website, which is yproundtable.com. You can get all, all the previous phone calls as well on there. And so you can go on there and listen to um, previous phone calls. We've been talking about uh, planning your year of sermons. Uh, we've been talking about student leadership. We've talked about adult leadership. We've talked about fostering an atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. All of those are on the website. You can go there and uh, listen to all of those. And so, But, uh, hey, let's jump into today's call. Uh, today's speaker uh, is, a, is a good friend of mine. His name is Levi Carter. He is the youth pastor here at Victory Church in our Oklahoma City campus, as, as well as an author of an upcoming book called The Most Powerful Man I Never Knew, as well as a blog that he'll be talking about as well on inner healing, and it is theconfessionalblog.com. That's theconfessionalblog.com where he's talking about inner healing and uh, helping students uh, overcome and work through inner healing. Uh, but today he's going to be talking about dealing with tough issues such as inner healing and um, those students that struggle with self-harm, uh, sexual brokenness, uh, emotional disorders, all kinds of things like that that um, are often very hard to deal with in in youth ministry. And so, uh, Levi, the table is all yours, man. Take it away. Awesome. Am I on? Am I unmuted? <clears throat> yep, that's you. I want to make sure. Cool. Hey, guys. Um, so if it's helpful to any of you, um, I'm, I'm going to kind of pound through a bunch of content. Um, I do have my notes, and they're pretty detailed. So if you're interested, um, you can email me for those, um, and I can send them to you afterwards. My email is levi.carter at victory.church. Um, so um, I, I want to tell you, because I'm going to go through a, a ton of content, um, I'm going to tell you where I'm going before I go there. Um, I always appreciate it when communicators do that for me. Um, I'm going to spend just a few minutes um, telling you my story. That's the first thing we're going to cover and why I'm so passionate about um, some of these really tough topics and, and tough journeys that our students are, are on. Um, and the second thing that I want to do is I want to build up some groundwork and, and just build really a theological framework for pastoral care, um, and specifically pastoral care um, for people that are, are dealing with some of these issues. Um, so I'm going to build a little theological foundation, and the third thing and the last thing um, is uh, is the practical stuff, which we'll all want to get into. Um, and that's just a, I'll just give you some bullet point one-liners, some best practices that <clears throat> that um, I think um, help me guide guide me in this uh, in a very complex journey. Uh, There's certainly not all the answers. Uh, I certainly don't have all the answers, um, but I think that they uh, they keep me safe. Um, when I'm when I'm walking through some of this stuff with our students, when our leaders are walking through some of this stuff with them. Um, on that note, um, I really would like to. The reason I'm going to kind of plow into this content uh, real quickly is what we really want to get to is is dialogue. And I know Ryan's vision for this roundtable in, in general is for it to truly be a, a roundtable. And so. If I could kind of give you a heads up, what I'd, I'd love to hear, and, and not just the, I don't want it to be a and I want it to be more of a uh, conversation in that portion of the call. If you want to think of, as I'm talking, think of students that struggle, uh, that you're walking with right now, um, struggling with self-harm or eating disorders or same-gender attraction or depression or some of these really tough long-term issues um, or issues that can be long-term, 
um, trauma from the past, uh, things like that. If you want to kind of get that person in mind and, and filter all of what we talk about today through that individual, and then talk me through that situation. Um, tell us what's worked, what hasn't worked, you know, what walls you're hitting, um, how you're equipping leaders to have those conversations. So I want us to truly think through the lens of shepherds um, and, um, and, how, how, and really grade ourselves and equip each other um, as, she- as shepherds and as such. So that's kind of the, the route that I'd love us to, to take. So um, diving into my story, um, I, uh, I had a really tough childhood. Uh, my stepfather uh, was abusive. My dad died before I was born. Um, so a ton of father wound issues there, really rough childhood, uh, led into a lot of sexual brokenness, uh, a lot of confusion. Um, I, I acted out homosexually for several years. Um, you know, the season of sins, uh, pleasure for me uh, ended quite early. Um, a lot of my brokenness happened really in my childhood and my, uh, my middle school years. And um, it, kind of, it kind of slowed into this just kind of slow, deep depression. Uh, I was very suicidal. And uh, in that famous come to Jesus moment that so many of us have, you know, laying on my bed one night, you know, I was uh, either thinking about taking my own life or giving God a chance in my life, uh, getting uh, giving God a chance in my life. So um, in that moment, I threw up a Hail Mary, uh, not because I really love Jesus or anything. In fact, I was still mad at him, uh, but I, because I believed that God existed, um, I, I chose to uh, give him a chance because I was afraid that if I took my own life, I would wind up in hell, just to be completely real and raw. And so I gave him this weak, weak sauce prayer, like, hey, I'm mad at you. Uh, but I don't want to go to hell. If you can do something with this mess, you know, I'm all yours. And, uh, and the rest, as they say, is history. Not really. It's, a real, it's been a, a really long journey. Um, but that was, that was my moment with the Lord, and <clears throat> I, I started getting connected, got called into ministry, um, you know, started growing in my faith. Um, and it wasn't until years later, I was in a discipleship program like the one uh, Ryan, Ryan runs, um, I was in my first year in Bible college, and um, I thought I was good. You know, I was going into ministry. Um, I, um, you know, I was passionate about Jesus. I was in love with him. And I had this moment with the Lord um, that was, uh, you know, probably top ten moments with Jesus for me uh, still to this day. And uh, it was a really random moment. I was in my living room on a Saturday morning eating cereal, and I was watching TV, and this Hanes underwear commercial came on. This isn't going to get weird, I promise. And, uh, and you know, this commercial comes on, and it's this, like, it, the commercial has this Saturday morning feel to it as well, and it's this dad and his son. And at the end of this commercial, there's this, like, emotional, heartwarming music playing, and, uh, and it cuts to this scene of this dad playing video games with his son in their underwear. Um, and out of nowhere, um, just this ball of Holy Spirit um, fire just hit my heart and uncorked this well of grief um, and this emotional well of, of garbage that I had never dealt with in my past. And I just began to weep under the power of God um, while I'm watching TV on a Saturday morning. Um, and that was, a, that was the beginning of a journey for me uh, and a process of, of healing. Um, and it was a long journey. It was uh, probably about three years from that moment where I really began to 
um, field closure. And this was three years of intentional walking out this journey. A lot of moments with Jesus, a lot of, uh, I mean, the Holy Spirit was surfacing memories that I didn't, uh, that I had repressed. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty uh, intense journey. Um, so that's why I'm so passionate about some of these things our students face is because, I've, frankly, I've, I've walked a lot of them. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure many of you have, have walked some of them as well, and so that's why I'm, uh, I'm craving your opinion. But that's why I'm so passionate. That's me. Um, we've been in, we started out in ministry in Atlanta after Bible college. Uh, we were there for seven years at Victory World Church, um, the church where Jeannie Mayo is at now. Uh, stepped out of ministry for a few years. I always knew that was going to be temporary. Uh, and I uh, had the privilege of taking a role here, stepping back into ministry, into student ministry, uh, just over a year ago. It's been a great journey. Victory's a great church. It's a great place to be at. Uh, I've been at three churches now, so I know the grass isn't any greener. Uh, so I'm just I'm loving being at a healthy place with a humble leader uh, and great peers like Ryan. So that's uh, your intro to Levi. I hate talking about myself, so I'm glad that's over. Um, Moving into this, uh, into into just laying some theological groundwork and, and a foundation for pastoral care, and what I believe the role of the church is um, in caring for people, no matter what they're going through. I'm going to pound through some scripture. Um, if you've got a Bible or a phone nearby, um, so these are scriptures you'd actually want to look at. Um, they're not. Uh, they're probably some of them are probably not verses you read every day in the morning. So, I want to take you on a path, um, and the first is regarding the role of the church in general. Um, and I'm going to start this in Revelation chapter 21, verse 2. And John says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, that's key, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So we know that the bride of Christ is the church, right? And so John, in, in this, this text, calls uh, the bride of Christ the New Jerusalem, okay? So the church is the New Jerusalem, okay? Now I want to flip over real quickly um, to Galatians uh, chapter 4. And uh, in Galatians 4, uh, I'm going to start in verse, or read verse 26. But the Jerusalem that is above is free... So it's the New Jerusalem, it's the church, and she is our mother. So the Jerusalem, the New Jerusalem, the church is our mother. Now, this is a, a doctrine that I believe the Protestant church has um, underemphasized. If you look at the Catholic church, um, or if you look at the Eastern Orthodox church, um, there is a much greater emphasis on the church as, um, as our mother. Um, so, um, I, and I know the reason for that with the Reformation, uh, they wanted to move away from the role of the individual Christian, uh, their dependence on the church for punitive and redemptive purposes and things like that. And I get all that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still in there that she is our mother. And I think it paints this beautiful picture of this family of faith and the role of God our Father and the role of the church as our mother in, in, the, in, in the spiritual development in the life of a believer. And so if you, if you look at kind of a traditional view of what a mother is versus a father, you know, I think of how nurturing my mother is and uh, these, all these maternal qualities of, of care and um, affection and love and surrounding me with uh, community and affirmation. 
that's the call of God um, for us to be as the church. So if we're not equipping, as pastors, if we're not equipping our people to um, really be maternal and to be nurturers um, in people that are walking out these journeys, um, we're, frankly, we're failing. And let's be honest, a lot of us as pastors, we're leaders, we're type A people, um, and this may not be a lot of your strong suit. Um, there's days, and, and I'm super passionate about this stuff, but there's days when I'm focused 100% on the organization, if I'm being honest with myself, and pretty close to 0% on the people. And so if, if, this, if we're not really intentional about making sure that we're closely aligned with what the scripture says we're supposed to be uh, to one another as the church, it's easy to stray. Um, I think this is really huge. Um, I think the church playing this role, small group leaders playing this role, you playing this role is really huge um, in one aspect. And, and I, I thought for a long time how I should kind of articulate this. And what I wrote down in my notes is, as pastors, we, look, we, we, we want to get things done and we have these moments with our students, maybe at the altar, where we think, hey, you're delivered from this, or God sets you free from homosexuality. And maybe that's true, and I pray that that's true, but usually that's not the case. Usually it's a long, a long journey of care, and that's why it's important that we keep our, our DNA close to, to our theology in this department. And so what I wrote down in my notes is we tend to go in like a surgeon, when we should go in like a long-term care provider. Okay, so we want to go in at the altar and excise something out of someone's life, um, when in reality, um, a lot of these things, um, for me, I can speak from, uh, from experience with a lot of close friends, um, walking out of a, any sort of homosexual lifestyle is a very long journey. Um, working with people with eating disorders, that's usually a very long journey. And what we actually do when we uh, treat it like, hey, this is something that God's going to set you free from tonight sometimes, is we end up doing a lot more damage um, than, than healing. Maybe that was a moment with Jesus that the Lord really wanted to use to catapult them into a journey of faith with him, into a journey of faith with their community. Um, and instead we said, hey, the deal's done, and, uh, and we end up uh, creating this expectation in them uh, that, that, that they can't handle the next time they fall. Um, so, so that's really huge for me, so understanding the role of the church as our mother. Um, so let me move into one more passage that I think is, is, is really important to look at, or I think it's a, a, a passage that maybe none of us have seen, but I, I go back to it often um, when I'm praying for my students. And if you'll flip to Deuteronomy 25, it's a passage, and of course, um, uh, God is speaking to, um, I believe it's still Moses at this point, um, and he's talking about, he's looking back on their journey um, through the desert, and he's saying, here's what you need to do. Um, and or he gives them this advice about the Amalekites in verse 17. So I'm in Deuteronomy 25:17. Remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt. When you were weary and worn out, they met you on your journey and cut off all who were lagging behind, and they had no fear of God. So imagine the Israelites caravanning through the wilderness, and the sick and the weak and the weary among them are lagging behind because they're sick and they're weak, and they're weary, 
And the Amalekites, in an incredibly dirty tactic of warfare, um, are, literally just, are literally just following them and picking off the weakest among them. Um, this is a strategy that I've seen in three different churches. I've seen this in every commu- spiritual community that has been under my care that I've led. I've seen this time and time again, and I don't usually use language like this, but for the sake of explaining the concept, I'll, 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 say, I'll say that I, I've seen what I would call a spirit of Amalek, where the enemy comes on and slowly picks off those who are weak and weary um, and, and hopeless and sick and struggling with brokenness because they're easy prey, they're easy targets. Well, if we're living in the power of the Holy Spirit, equipped to uh, be, be the church and be the mother of these students and these precious people that we care for, these individuals that we care for, you know, there's going to be a community that's going to not let that happen, that's going to fight for their hearts, it's going to fight for their healing if we're living as God um, intended us to. You know, so I've just been having an ongoing conversation about this with some of with the Lord about this um, with some of our students who are really struggling right now. And just last night, I felt like the Holy Spirit took me, and this is the last verse I'm gonna drop on you, to First Corinthians one twenty six. Brothers, think of you. Think think of what were you, what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential or of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. You know, and so, you know, I I just taught from Deuteronomy 25 last night, that passage, and I'm having this conversation with the Holy Spirit on the way home, and I, I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 1.26, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit just dropped that in my spirit. That, you know, if we don't learn to care for those who are weak and sick and broken among us, we're actually robbing the kingdom of some of the greatest... We know that God chooses the weak things. We're, we're robbing the kingdom of spiritual giants. Guys, if no one gave me a chance... Man, there was nothing that said potential on my journey. <laughs> but some, some, some small church pastor in small town Podunk, Illinois, uh, saw, saw a call of God on my life and, and saw past the hurt and the brokenness um, and the, my total lack of potential <laughs> and my total lack of gifting and, and loved me through the pain. Um, and so I think we're actually robbing the church, uh, Catholic Universal Church, uh, the universal church of, of some spiritual giants, and we're also robbing our our um, our, our our student ministries of, of some powerful spiritual leaders if we're we're willing to take the journey with them. Um, you know, and I remember you know er, you know there's a fad for a couple of years in student ministry where it was like, hey, reach the most, the coolest, most influential, you know, the basketball stars, and you know that was the thing. You know, that was all the rage. Well those people tend to blow up and blow out because, frankly, they don't have the life scenarios at that moment in their life where they actually need Jesus in a real, tangible way. These students that are broken and they're hurting, they're at that place where they desperately need an encounter with Jesus. Um, so I just kind of wanted to kind of walk you through some of those things, and I would just encourage you to do your own, your own study into pastoral care. I think it's probably underemphasized in student ministry. Um, and I think it's worth diving deep into the scriptures and really understanding your responsibility before the Lord. Okay, 
Now to the fun part, I'm going to uh, go through some quick bullet points and some practical, some, some best practices for you. And again, just be thinking of scenarios in your student ministry for the, the conversation time here in just a few minutes. Um, just of, of, uh, of students in your life, you know, if you want to change their names, if that makes you feel more comfortable or whatever, that's fine. But share their journey, share what, how you, you guys are walking through them and, and questions that you have for me, and, uh, and we'll dive into this. Um, but best practices, these are just bullet points. You can just write them down. They're going to be pretty, pretty random, uh, just all across the board. Um, first one that I wrote down uh, is develop a list of best practices um, for conversations that go beyond your training. Uh, I'm sure that I could have worded that better, but I'm going to read it one more time. Develop a list of best practices for conversations that go beyond your training. So this is the moment where you have that conversation with a student that you're like, hey, I'm out of my depth here. I'm not a trained, licensed counselor. Um, and you, what you need to have is you need to have a plan. And the reason, I'll give you a few of our best practices, but. But the reason you need to develop your own is because you really need to work with your senior pastor. Uh, and depending on what, uh, where you're coming from in ministry, maybe even uh, your denominational guidelines on, hey, when, when am I going too, too far? When am I out of my depth? And what am I going to do? So usually the two big ones that come up where it's, hey, I feel like I need to uplink this on some level are some sort of abuse, right? So sexual or physical abuse. Um, that is ongoing. I'll say that. Um, although it's it's uh, it's it's not even just ongoing, but there's there's different guidelines and different scenarios. Um, and then the other one outside of abuse that comes up is, hey, I'm thinking about suicide. Um, so you've got to make sure that you've got a plan in place where you know exactly um, what to do um, when those things c come up. You know, if if a lot of you are coming back from camps right now, I know a lot of you are from AG churches. Um, you know, that's when they come up, let's be honest. Like, you know, the Holy Spirit's moving, students are opening up, and you've got to have a plan in place and, and that, uh, that your leaders are well aware of for, hey, when we get these issues, um, here's, the, here's the plan. So you've got to kind of develop that with your senior pastor and look at what those, uh, what those are. I'll tell you a few of, a few of mine. Um, if I get, if I get uh, some, something like that, one of those two things, those are the two hot button ones for me, either question, if I get someone confiding in me about suicide or um, ongoing abuse I'm gonna, or abuse, I'm going to ask a lot of questions. Um, <clears throat> so, for instance, I had someone uh, real recently say that they were feeling, um, they were feeling suicidal at one time. Um, and so I probed a lot further before I escalate um, to see if, hey, is there actually a plan in place um, to do this? Because a lot of times that's a huge escalation. Um, are you feeling this way presently? Um, do you feel this way all the time? You really want to have a lot of details um, because it's sad to say um, that in our world, um, as a youth pastor, you might get that one fairly often, um, or at least I do. Um, our student ministry is a little bigger, um, so I get in, in the area that we're in, you know, there's a lot of students that are going through a lot, um, but you've got you've to really uh, 
do a threat assessment, and I still am always going to run it run it by someone, a, a supervisor, uh, maybe a parent if I know the family, um, no, ma no matter what my threat assessment is. Um, but I really want to, but I really want to know what we're dealing with. So I would say ask a lot of questions. Um, abuse. My big question is, you know, is it happening right now? Do you feel safe right now? Uh, because that changes the plan. Um, and then uh, the other best practice that's on my plan um, is have a place that you refer to for counseling. Um, and that goes into this is my next this is my next best practice one-liner. Um, uh, all counselors are not created equal. Um, I would find a I would actually have a conversation with a Christian counseling agency or a few Christian counseling agencies in your area to really get a feel on who you want to um, to refer to. So there's two different camps um, of Christian counselors. Okay, so there's uh, Christian counselors who really root their practice um, and their counsel and how they walk through uh, how they walk through something with someone they really root their practices in the scripture and how the, whole, the, how the scripture tells us to handle conflict and different things like that. Back in the day, we used to call that newthetic counseling. I'm not sure what they, they call it in the counseling world now. Um, but So there's that camp, and then there's people who call themselves Christian counselors, um, and basically they, they're going to tell you everything that Freud tells you or everything that secular counseling tells you, but they're going to pray with you at the end, um, and they're going to say, you know, hey, your faith is going to help you get through this. Um, so I, I don't know if that explanation makes sense to you, but there's some that really root their, their practice in, in biblical counsel, and there's others who sort of put the Christian label over it and say, hey, Jesus is going to help you walk this out, but their counsel is, is really no different um, from any sort of counseling you would get in the world. Um, so all counselors are not created equal. That's been a big learning for me. Um, because it's really tough to send someone somewhere and then uh, you refer them um, and then see what they're coming back with um, and it not be the fruit that, that you want to see. Okay, moving on. Um, <clears throat> so the first two were develop a list of best practices for conversations that go beyond your training. Uh, all counselors are not created equal. Um, and then the third one, sort of related, do refer when you feel out of your depth. You absolutely need to do that. So again, for me, same two issues, uh, sexual abuse and um, sexual abuse for me and suicide are the two big ones that I'm going to refer to. That's, that's a life-altering life one. Um, <clears throat> so do refer when you feel out of your depth. You've got to know where you don't feel comfortable giving someone counsel, okay? So that answer is different. So do refer when you feel out of your depth. Don't abdicate your role as a pastor. Do refer when you feel out of your depth. Don't abdicate your role as a pastor. So if you're fresh out of Bible college or you know uh, pretty pretty new in ministry, probably what you heard in your um, pastoral care 101 is you're not a counselor. Don't call yourself a counselor. There's liabilities when you do that. You probably heard that about ten times in each chapter of your textbook. Um, and and I'm slowly I actually ran this by a counselor friend yesterday to make sure that I'm not uh, going too far. Uh, but I feel like we've sort of swung too far on the pendulum that way. We kind of refer too much. When in the, rea the, the reality is, is we have the answer, guys. Jesus is the answer. And they're going to deal with they're going to deal with symptoms, but Jesus is is going to deal with the root. He's going to come in the inside of them and start cleaning up some. He's going to start doing some business in their soul. 
he's going to start cleaning house. And so I don't want us to undervalue our role or our anointing as a pastor. And I almost feel like we're abdicating too much and we're referring too much. And so you've got to kind of find that balance um, where you feel safe and you feel comfortable and you feel like you're working, you're working within your metron and your anointing. Um, but, but you've really got to evaluate, hey, am I abdicating too much here? Um, should I be diving deep uh, more with my students? So do refer when you feel out of your depth. Don't abdicate your role as a pastor. Um, the next one is you've got to add this this sort of stuff to your reading list. Okay, you've got to um, you've got to become a learner in this department. I don't think you can be a youth pastor in today's world without learning in this department. So if I was in a classroom with you guys right now and I said, hey. Um, who's, who's read a leadership book in the last three months, probably most of us would raise our hands, right? Uh, I have a feeling that if I ask, hey, who's, um, who's uh, read a book on eating disorders in the last three months, I feel like it would be a lot less hands. Tell me if I'm, you can tell me if I'm wrong in the question and answer, but I feel like that's accurate. I don't think we're living in a world where we can um, not be learners in this department. Um, unless you've got, you know, you're huge and you've got a, big enough staff where someone else can, uh, can be an expert in this area, you've got to be the expert for your, for your leadership team. Okay, so you've got to add this stuff to your reading list. The next one is, it's more important, this is, again, these are all over the map, uh, it's more important to me that my students have a connection with Jesus than have a connection to me. So let me read that one more time. It's more important to me that my students have a connection with Jesus than have a connection to me. So one of the, the second you read a book on, on biblical counseling or anything, one of the first things they're going to address is, is um, you've got to be really careful with your boundaries because uh, you're going to de- quickly develop a codependent relationship where they're, they're, they're dependent on you for their emotional health. So here's something. Let me give you a picture of what I'm talking about here. I see this at camp every year. Um, and it's, it, it, I'm, I'm sure that I could probably learn from some of these guys. I'm probably too far on the other end of the spectrum. But a lot of times at camp, I'll sit back and I'll kind of watch youth pastors like uh, kind of dive in with their kids up there at the altar, and they're walking them through, and they're saying, repeat after me, and they're, you know, they're casting the devil out. And, and I love that. Uh, I love the passion there. Uh, but usually I'm in the back watching my students encounter Jesus, because I want them to have a relationship. I'm not their priest. I want them to have a relationship with Jesus more than I want them uh, to depend on me. I don't need that validation, you know, for my my students to to depend on me to for me to feel good about what I'm doing. And I know there's a balance there, um, but a lot of times I just feel like, hey, I I don't know when you take yourself out of the equation. And I think this is a lot of the reason why you know, eight out of 10 leave the church after high school. I don't know how they're going to do in their faith journey when you take yourself out of the equation. And so <clears throat> there's, there's this one side where we really need to nurture and mother our students um, through these journeys. And then there's this other side where, hey, you really need to connect with dad and you've got you've to go on a process with the Lord. And for me, that's been, that was one of the most sacred seasons in my journey with the Lord. I fell in love with Jesus as a healer, um, as the one who came to uh, bind up the brokenhearted um, in, a, in a whole new way in that journey of healing in that three years uh, when I took that journey with Jesus. And so it's more important to me that my students have a connection with Jesus than have a connection to me. And that's going to mean a lot more to, to their healing as well. Next one that I wrote down 
is discipleship now is easier than inner healing later. This is huge. Discipleship now is easier than inner healing later. Now, if you've got someone going through major trauma in their journey, I mean, they've gone through it, at the end of the day, there's going to be some, some work to be done. But let's be honest, a lot, of, a lot of people that are cutting today or self-harming today are not doing it because of abuse. They're doing it because of thing, things like self-image. Well, hey, if in sixth grade you pound them with teachings and small group lessons on identity, it's going to save you a lot of heartache on the back end. Discipleship now is easier than inner healing later. I think that's, that's so huge. Um, I, love, um, I love Gateway's model on, um, on some of their inner healing stuff, their freedom ministries. They make people go through several weeks of classes before they go through their inner healing. Uh, marriage, finance, some sort of basics of faith and life. And it's huge because, you know, there's, there's people that have issues in their marriage. And, yeah, you've got issues and you need inner healing eventually. But the reality is, is you just have inner issues because you never, nobody ever taught you how a husband should love his wife as Christ loved the church and how to walk that out in your marriage. And so if the truth sets us free, a lot of bondage is simply from a lack of truth. And so discipleship and teaching now is a lot easier than inner healing later. That's really big. Um, I would say if you want to forget everything else I said and remember one thing, that's, that's your big one. Um, <clears throat> I, I know that you probably hear this in some way, shape, or form every week, but the next one on my list is building a team is everything. It's absolutely everything, a team of leaders that can really care for your students uh, with you. So what we've had to realize is our capacity what my wife was at night, we tend to really be in the lives of about 10 students at a time between the both of us, okay? So remember, Jesus only discipled 12 people, okay? So if my homeboy Jesus is only doing 12, uh, you probably can't do 12 yourself, okay? So if you have a student ministry of 12 people or less, um, and that's all you ever want to be and you never want to grow past that, you do not have to build a team. But if you ever want to grow past 10 or 12 people, um, you've got to do that. Um, and you've got, to, you've got to build a team of people that are actually caring for your students. So I've been, I've been keeping this guy, on my, a student on my periphery for the last maybe six to eight weeks. His name's Sebastian. And I can tell he's going through a lot, rough home situation. And every time I see it, <clears throat> I want to dive in and help Sebastian. But Sebastian has two really strong small group leaders that love him, that are in his life, that have had some tough conversations with him, that have walked him through. And, and I haven't seen them over the last four to six weeks really dialoguing with him. And I could tell he was kind of going through something. And it took all the self-control in my body to not circumvent the system and go, you know, you pastor that junk. Um, and talked to him last night. And last night, I, you know, I looked out, I was on the stage, I looked out in the corner of my eye, and his two small group leaders, um, Mariah and Malik, are ministering to him, and I can tell it's the conversation that he's been needing for the last month. 
and I just kind of had it. I have one of these often uh, with my leaders. I just every now and then I'll just have this refreshing aha moment where I say, no, this is this is right. This is the way that we're supposed to be building it. If we really want to multiply ourselves, we've got to we've got to take it take the spotlight off of me and the celebrity. Uh, pastor, department head, and really put it on our leaders. Um, if we really want to, if we want to grow and still make disciples, listen. You can do a you know a easy giveaway and and grow. Um, but if you want to grow and still make disciples and still have people doing life with students, you've got to um, you've got to you've got to build a team. Um, I've only got a couple more. Um, <clears throat> stop talking about sin in the past tense. Okay. I'm tired of hearing pastors talk about sin in their life and brokenness in their life in the past tense. Oh, back in the day I used to, or God set me free from this. I, I, your students that are struggling need to hear your struggles today. Now, I know there's boundaries, and um, you, you don't, I don't want you to go you know, out Wednesday night and just tell all your deepest, darkest secrets. I get all that. Um, but I'm t- I'll be honest, I'm tired of hearing pastors talk about their sin in the past tense. So it's almost like this fake transparency. Hey, I want to be transparent, but I don't want to be real, really raw in the sense of, hey, what, what, am, I, what am I grappling with today? What, what kind of bitterness am I, or unforgiveness am I, hard, am I struggling with in my journey right now? These students, if you want them to open up to you, you've got to model that transparency. If you want them to open open up to their small groups, that small group leaders, their their small group leaders have to model that tra- transparency. So I think that's huge. Okay, this last one, uh, this is probably the second most important thing that I would say. You know, really take this home. Uh, I stole this from uh, a uh, every. Uh, airline attendant that I've ever on every flight I've flown. Uh, secure your own mask before helping others. Okay, if you want to help others, you've got to make sure that you're healthy yourself. Uh, one of my favorite passages to teach our, our leaders from is Acts 20, uh, and the Apostle Paul is saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders, and they're weeping. It's this powerful scene. They're weeping on a beach. Uh, he's about to sail off, and they know that they're never going to see him again. And he gives them this final charge, and he says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of God. The first person we lead is ourself, okay? So at the end of the day, a healthy, an unhealthy leader will never reproduce um, a healthy person. It doesn't, doesn't matter what you say, it matters what you are, okay? So if you're hearing and you're writing down all these best practices and you know formulating a teaching from your leaders, but you haven't read your Bible in a week, like that's backwards. You need to get off the call and go read your Bible and get healthy, um, and then kind of move on to helping others. Okay, so you've got to learn to secure your own mask uh, before helping others, and and you have to learn how to live in a place of health uh, before you can help others do the same. So um, that's uh, that's that's all I've got as far as content. We've still got um, a little bit of time, about 15 minutes for for dialogue. Um, so. Um, I, I'll turn it back over to Ryan to kind of officiate that, and we'll we'll dig into it. All right, guys. So if you uh, have a question, you'll go ahead and hit star six. 
So you'll go ahead and hit star six if you have a question, um, something like that. Uh, but as you guys are, are doing that, Levi, man, that was fantastic. Uh, my phone's blowing up over here with people uh, sending me fire emojis and uh, bomb emojis, and uh, I feel like my bom- my phone is about to explode. Uh, I, I love so, how all validation now is through emojis. We don't even use words anymore. Well, words are just too long, and uh, and, 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 and since we're talking about emotions, we want to get our yeah, emotion Josie, emojis in there. So, um, yeah, so, okay, well, uh, the, the questions are coming in, so let's go ahead and dive in. 970 area code, you're up. Uh, hey, how's it going? My name's Austin. I'm from Youth Pastor in Texas. Um, and I, I think I, one, a lot of the stuff you said was really, really, really good and echoed some things that I had um, read and, and heard before. And I think just something maybe sh- short and practical, maybe just to get mm-hmm. us off in the Q&A, um, is when you do refer, like, some of those, you know, t- tougher cases, you know, to licensed and professional counselors, like, yeah. how, do you, how do you know they're getting a good one, I guess? Like, because I've called, like, counselors in my area, yeah. but I feel like I should go and, like, do a counseling session with them or, or, or something. Like how, do I, like, how do I know they're getting a good one, even if, you know, they're a good or a Christian counselor? It's yeah, it's tough if you don't have a relational inroad. So if they're closed off when you, if you're cold calling a, a place with no no relationship, it, it, I'll be honest, it's tough. So you almost have to go to someone through a referral. So our church, so moving here, I had to find new people uh, because I am not used to the area. So um, I ha- luckily our church and our pa- we have a pastoral care pastor. She's built a relationship with one, so I was able to make that call through that relationship and say, hey. Um, I'm a new, new student pastor. Uh, Yolanda gave me your number. Um, so you've almost got a resource through a relationship to not, a, get, not get a closed door. The other, um, the other, and this isn't necessarily on the end of Christian counseling, uh, but the other place I would resource is if you're connected to your school um, in your area, your high schools or your middle schoolers, uh, or, or your middle schools, um, your um, your counselors at the school are going to have great resources to who they refer to. Um, and so that's not necessarily a Christian resource, um, but I've, I've talked to a lot of counselors that, um, that do this all the time in schools, and, uh, and they, they, tend to know, they tend to know who, who you want to refer to, because a lot of times it's not necessarily a Christian thought versus unchristian thought thing. It's also a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of practices are really geared towards adolescents, and sometimes uh, some other practices just say they are because they want the business. So that's another good resource. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for the question. All right. Uh, up next we have Russ, it looks like. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, man, just great, great stuff, Levi. And uh, like I was telling you before we really got started with the call, you know, we're getting ready to, to launch a student ministry. So a lot of this for me is great um, because we're in the preparation phase. And uh, I really wanted to hone in a little bit on you talked about building a team. Yeah. And, um, man, I just I so, I so very much agree with you just in my own personal life of knowing uh, when I was a student that, man, my heroes were my small group leaders, uh, mm-hmm. my youth pastor, um, and they were the people that I went to when I was hurting. 
And so, you know, obviously we hope the same for our students that, man, these small group leaders and pastors will be their heroes, you know, and the people that they go to. So I, I guess my question is, how do, you, how do you best train and prepare leaders to have these hard conversations and to, and to be ready to kind of be in it for the long haul? I mean, is it, is it really um, what you've shared with us today, kind of these thoughts and ideas, or uh, what does that typically look like for you guys? Yeah, I think um, I think if you start lead with stuff like this, uh, you, everyone will be terrified and no one will serve with your ministry. Um, but you certainly want to do training down the road. Um, it's probably not, you know, we deal with a lot of this, a lot of scary stuff for uh, when you're thinking about your average 30 or 40 year old adult sponsor that you might be recruiting. But um, I think this is something. This is this is related to your question, but something I've been I've been processing every time you uh, start recruiting leaders, um, for me, they always fall into one of two categories. Usually you've got your people that are just willing to fill a role, probably because their student is in your ministry um, and they feel obligated. Hey, he's, he's not necessarily obligated, but they, they feel like, hey, he's giving it to my student, I want to help him out. So those are your twice a month parent sort of volunteers. So I've got a solid group of those. And then I feel like it's almost 50-50, maybe 60-40. Then I've got a slightly smaller group of leaders who are there because they're called to student ministry. Um, and I've sort of seen those lines in, in every role I've served in, uh, those two groups of, of, of adult sponsors. And so for me, it's really um, heavily investing um, a lot of my resources and a lot of my pastoral care into that slightly small group of smaller group of leaders who are called to student ministry. That are that are almost. Uh, I feel like student ministry because it's so rewarding has more lifers as far as volunteers, people that are literally volunteers for life in student ministry than any other department. Because I firmly believe. Uh, that where it's the most rewarding job in the church for for an adult leader, and so I think it's really big to I, I you know those will be easy to identify. Now this person wants to be here. Like I I tell people, hey, we, we only ask you because I want my volunteers to be long term. We only ask you to serve uh, twice a month, and 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 the ones that come up to me and, and beg me, hey, will you? Will you please let me serve every week? Um, those are my ones that I know. Hey, that person's going to lead with the heart of a shepherd. So I really try to. You'll you'll notice two groups emerge. I'm sure you've done student ministry before and elsewhere. When you when you start identifying those people that are really all in um, to what you're doing and to your vision, those are the people that you really want pastoring pastoring and shepherding alongside you. So how does that look practically? I think you know I probably take those leaders out to lunch more. I ask them. You know I probably give them a, another phone call because the other group of leaders, they don't want a bunch of phone calls for me because they're just there because, you know, they, they have a heart to serve, but they're probably just giving back to the ministry. You know, they don't want a thousand emails. You know, if I have a chance, I invited one to a conference that I was going to as a flexible works, work schedule, so I invited him a couple months ago to go to a conference with me. I'm heavily investing in those. So I think that'll help you in the beginning, identifying those and really, really focusing a lot of resources um, on them because they're passionate about it. They're going to be, they're going to be thrilled to have it. So if that helps. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. That's, that's awesome. I, the concept of having some multi-levels of leadership commitment and uh, requiring a little bit more of those that are more committed um, is huge. And just taking some of the light, I think sometimes in youth ministry it's like, Everyone has to be 500% committed or zero. 
Um, but the idea of saying, hey, there's different levels of commitment and there's different levels of investment with those different levels of commitment, I think, is is huge. Uh, so let's get into our, our next question, and uh, that is going to be area code 678, area code. I just wanted to find out if there's a website or a place where your um, notes would be listed after the conversation today. You know, if you just um, email me, um, hey, I'm curious, I'm curious who you are because I used to live in a 678. <laughs> uh, you're curious. My, my name's Adrian. I, uh, I used to, actually where Victory is, we were the youth pastors in a town called Griffin, Georgia. Yeah, I know Griffin. Cool. Yes. So we were there uh, 2005 to 2010 in, um, yeah, Atlanta, beautiful city. I've actually visited Victory a couple times, love the church. So we're, we're kind of in a season of transition right now. Yeah. And uh, cool. I saw the thing on Instagram, and I'm like, wait a second, I remember that guy. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so um, not a website. If you email me at levi.carter at victory.church, levi.carter at victory.church, um, and that's for anybody, I'll email you my notes. Um, I do have a, a blog where I deal with inner healing and spiritual disciplines. Um, if you guys are inter- if you guys are readers, uh, I, I update there uh, uh, on a lot of stuff that I process with our students. But that's the confessionalblog.com. Um, but um, I'll, I'll email you those notes if you email me. Perfect. And we will we'll, we will also have those available on our website, which is yproundtable.com. That's yproundtable.com. We'll have those notes there, as well as the record, full recording of uh, this call. Um, so you can go back and listen to the full recording and, and get the downloaded notes as, as well. So, All right, let's jump into the next uh, question, and that looks like it's going to be Mr. Ham. Hey, um... I was just going to tag on. Is there a way that you, you talked about having reading some literature? Is there a way that you could put like maybe like a top five uh, for you like know, a reading list? Yeah, I like, like that. Yeah, list. let me give that some thought. I won't try to spitball it, but I'll give that some thought and I'll put that in my notes when we put them on the website. Thanks, Andrew. How are you, yeah. Andrew? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Good to hear from you. All right. Hey, Levi, could you uh, spend just a second? One of the big things you talked about um, was this idea of talking about your sin not as past tense but as current. So that's a huge, huge controversial statement, I feel like. Um, And so how do you kind of monitor that balance of being transparent, being relative, being current, but not crossing the boundaries um, of of just your personal life and things like that. Yeah, I think um, I think there's a, a couple things that I've done that have sort of kept me safe doing that. Um, the first is you've got to have a, a a conversation with your lead pastor and find out what they're they're most comfortable with. And I'll be transparent. Um, most of that might come come like come across like mac- micromanaging, but really, they're they're really just trying to protect you and your role, um, and protect the trust that you've earned and built with parents and students. So, so if you if you feel like they're you know if they're managing you too closely on content and things like that, that's I, I know that's that's got to be most of their hearts. I know it, it is with my supervisors. Um, so I would say you've got to have that conversation with your covering. 
Um, and the second thing that I would say is if you're in your first year enrolled at a specific church, so not your first year in youth ministry, but your first year uh, in your current organization, it's probably not the time to um, talk about your struggles with lust or your own eating disorder. Like you're, so much of that year is building strong relationships with parents and, and, and students. You've got to build that trust first. Um, so I think I think if you do those two things on the front end, really, um, you know, keep your cards close to your chest um, the first year and um, and and talk to your covering. I think those are gonna um, keep you safe and kind of guide you in that journey. Then the other thing you've gotta you've gotta realize is you've really gotta look at the age of your group and say, are these challenges even really relevant? That I'm facing too much for them. Uh, we're really young right now, so I've got to filter not just personal transparency, but all of my content to the fact that most of the people um, in my room are in sixth through eighth grade. So I think if you use those as guidelines, you'll probably land in a safe place. Yeah, and I think another safe one is if I share this, am I going to get fired? I think that's a good one to share the, to go through. Yeah, I thought that went without saying, but yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to get fired if I share this right now? So uh, that might be a good filter to to run through. <laughs> hey, Levi, man, this was this was awesome. Uh, so helpful. Uh, this is one of those calls you're going to have to go back and listen to probably about four or five five times to even scratch the surface of what was just shared. And so uh, I know there's lots of questions and um, topics to continue talking about. Um, and so I would love for um, you guys to continue to email uh, Levi. He's really open to those types of things, uh, as well as uh, reading his blog that we've talked about, which is theconfessionalblog.com, theconfessionalblog.com. I encourage you guys to go there, check it out, uh, and, and, and get a hold of some of that content. So thank you guys so much for being on the call. Just a reminder, we've got uh, our... Uh, start in August coming up soon. If you've got any students that are interested in joining a discipleship program, getting college credit, things like that, we would love to talk to them uh, about uh, maybe partnering with them uh, and helping them out. Also, our call next month will be July 28th. We'll be talking about mapping out a ministry calendar for the, the year. would love to help you guys with that and uh, walk through some of that with you. And uh, you can get all the content Youth Pastor Roundtable. It's YPRoundtable.com. That's YPRoundtable.com. So thank you. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for being on the call. Hope you guys have a fantastic day. So have have a great day, guys. Boom. Thanks, cool. guys. Thanks, Tommy.